Welcome, everybody, to the Pokey Talk podcast. This is a brand new podcast, our very first episode with me, Nate, and my co-host, Philip. And uh, yeah, we just want to change it up a little bit. We uh, are Pokemon enthusiasts, big collectors. We really love making Pokemon content. We wanted to try a new podcast. The main thing with this podcast is that we're wanting to focus more on content. There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of YouTube videos that are licensed or advertised as podcasts just kind of became long videos of collectors talking. Those are cool and all, but we want to actually kind of go back to the roots and make a true Pokemon podcast that is collector-focused, topic-focused, and pretty much everything about the TCG. So, what's up, Philip? Hey, not too much. I'm I'm pretty excited. I know. Episode one, we've been talking about this now for, uh, it's been about a year, hasn't it? Yeah, it it's been kind of off and on. And, you know, even going back a couple years, I thought about doing this and I kind of made some, you know, just kind of what I said in the intro, some pokey talk related videos where I interview people. But as far as the podcast, it's nice to actually get it on the ground and have like a true podcast yeah yeah it was uh it was something we almost kind of entertained as like we were half serious half joking and we just kind of danced around it and then finally just in the past couple months and really in the past months more like past four weeks it, we just kind of uh reinitiated it and we hit the ground running so yeah basically it's uh right now we're gonna shoot for bi-weekly i believe a couple episodes mm-hmm. each month and uh, yeah, we for this first one, you know, we're just going to run down who we are, what we're expecting out of the podcast, and uh, kind of our main topic is just going to be that, you know, our story, how we got collecting. But every week, we want to kind of run it down as like a news segment, main topic, where we go in-depth on, you know, whatever the topic may be, ranging from whatever we want. Um, then also Q&As that we have from followers on our social or friends in real life. And then also like a little gimmick or game section that we don't really have an official name for, but want to do something fun at the end of each episode. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the format we're looking at and should be a lot of fun. Really excited about uh, where this can head. I, I personally, um, I miss several individuals that used to have a podcast for Pokemon that would launch you know consistently either almost every week or every other week and they really did become a part of my life part of my uh listening habits and there, there's a lot of great people that have podcasts quote unquote on youtube I, I like a lot of them but i find it you know very difficult and actually being able to enjoy their whole entire episode or program because it is a basically a two and a half hour three hour video and it's like <laughs> yeah you know, you get home at, at the end of the day, and I love this hobby. I do. I really love this hobby. But even I have a limit, and I also like to have other entertainment facets as well. So, Yeah, the biggest thing for me is, like, you know, I guess with YouTube Premium, you can kind of run audio in the background with the apps closed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was just wanting the audio from that, but I find myself watching those videos while I'm doing something else, you know, not Mm -hmm. on my phone, which is almost always when I'm home, you know, doing house stuff or playing a game or something, I'll throw on one. So I love the audio aspect of it. And granted, you do have some positives to the video form Mm -hmm. that, 
you know, you can't yeah. get with audio, but yeah, we just want to go back to the core and make a nice audio Pokemon podcast. Well, is there anything, uh, you wanted to throw in with how the podcast is going to go or should we jump into the news? I think we should just jump on into to the news head first. Let's do it. All right. The first topic we want to discuss is Brilliant Stars release. How much hype was real? Um, I think it's a great new set. Have you mm-hmm. have you opened any or what are you seeing? I have it? not. I am still waiting for my product I was, uh, from the Pokemon Center. I was hoping I was going to get it yesterday. Um, uh, I am a huge Arceus collector. Um, so I personally was hyped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Now, how much am I going to open? I'm not quite sure. I've learned from my mistakes in the beginning of this uh, of this hobby, and I'm kind of at the point where I only want to open a little bit because I know it's a gambler's philosophy, and uh, I definitely will open some. It might only be like eight to ten packs. Yeah. I think after that, I'm and I'm going to try to find a potential PSA ten candidate uh, on eBay. Is what I'll do when the when the prices have hit down a bit. Yeah, it's a really great set. I mean, I don't know how long we can keep this like hype set train going, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, even with the what was it Fusion Strike, you know mm-hmm. that that set was pretty cool. But you could feel like there just wasn't as much spice as like some other sets, especially coming after Evolving Skies, which I think is a really great set. Yes, yes, it is definitely one of the highlights of not only probably the highlight of 2020 um, or 2021, but definitely for her this era. Uh, now, this one, I do like quite a few cards. The character rares really add a special element, um, especially with the detailed artwork involved with them. Uh, like, we are both fans of these Hikram character rare i i just find that card to be absolutely majestic yeah yep that's some good stuff in there so yeah um next part of the news we got the illustrator pikachu illustrator i don't know if you saw this or not selling for nine hundred thousand (laughs) dollars what do you think about that uh you know i'm personally not surprised um i think People were a little taken aback based off the previous one that sold. Um, but it really doesn't surprise me. As more individuals, yes, I know it's a very minute percentage that can afford these type of cards. But as more individuals get in the hobby, as our generation becomes increasingly older and older and access to more wealth, I don't think it should be surprising that these cards in particular are reaching some crazy heights for the hobby itself uh i i think if there's potentially i i I think this could draw out more individuals that might be willing to sell this and i don't know if it will break a million if like another one comes out if it will break a million i I think it'll probably be about the same or a little bit lower um especially if it's a rough paw copy uh now, say if this PSA 9 copy that sold in Japan becomes available, I would be very interested to see what that one could sell for. Yeah. I think I think that would be over a million dollars. And I think yes, if I one agree. 
I think if one sold next month, that was also... Oh, by the way, this one was a PSA 7. I don't know mm-hmm. if I mentioned that. So PSA 7, Illustrator, Pikachu, $900,000. This was on Golden Auction, so there's a little buyer's premium there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, essentially a lot of money. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think... 99, 0.01% of the hobby. Uh yeah, that this this is for it is it is a beautiful card. It is like there is no denying that. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think the next nine that pops up is going to be a million bucks. I think the next seven that pops up, even if it's like a month from now, I think that's going to be over a million bucks. You do so, yeah. So the well, last, the last sales, I'll kind of tell you how I'm kind of coming up with that. But uh, the last sales. In 2016, a PSA 9 Illustrator sold for 54000 So that was like when, you know, the ball was starting to get rolling with the 20th anniversary. Just three years later, 2019, a PSA 9 sold for 224000 2020, 250000 I think this was like mid-2020, so not really peak craze. So there wasn't much growth there. But a lot of people in 2020, even with all the hype, like they weren't down the rabbit hole of trophy cards yet, you know, coming into the hobby. Yep. And then yeah, fast yeah. forward. Oh, what's that? I was I was just gonna say, yeah, that's uh, that's something else I uh, I want wanted to bring up as well was as more people venture further into the hobby, you know, people kind of jump in with either what's available at the store or what they grew up with. Yeah. As people venture more into the hobby, they start seeing these different cars. Like, whoa! I didn't even know that card existed. Um, and I, I believe that even includes those with um, larger wealth, as they learn more about the hobby and they learn about what's rare, and they learn about what are some of the true grails within within the hobby itself. I I, yeah. I think it. I think I think this this shouldn't be a crazy surprise, you know. Um, but yeah. also, you can only pay, you know, there's only so many people that can afford these cards. So whatever somebody's willing to pay at that moment, or yeah. how many buyers you have at that moment, it was going to really dictate what your sale is going to be. Yeah, it's very, very situational. And that's kind of yeah. where I'm coming up with that number. Because, like, if you fast forward to 2021, a PSA 7, which was the last, like, really documented sale, was 350000 so you go from a PSA nine at two hundred fifty k to a PSA seven to three hundred fifty k, but you know that's given the hype, given all the the bigger players that entered the hobby and all that, mm-hmm. and then one in late twenty twenty one sold for two hundred and forty thousand, and try to guess what grade that was. That was a raw copy. And raw copy. I'm gonna yeah. say I, I I almost wanted to say well, was it a nine, but I'm looking now and it looks like the nine was sold on a Japanese store. Um, yeah. and I bet that guy who bought that nine in 2020 is probably salivating right now <laughs> after seeing that PSA seven sell for nine hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah, he that guy might have gotten a steal. So. Yeah, so that was basically the last mark we had was that a raw sold for 420k. Basically, best case scenario, they were probably thinking that raw was an eight or a nine, and so then we have the seven jump all the way up to like 900k. Like we're now in exponential growth, and mm-hmm. 
I think that's because, you know, we're kind of at this peak now where like all these big players who came in kind of got their initial goals and they're on the radar for these types of cards. Um, but it's kind of weird because we had a trophy Pikachu. Um, I think it was a number two trophy Pikachu that sold for like 30 something thousand during the same auction. So the illustrator, you know, the number one card of Pokemon, you know, arguably is up like 140% while like the Pikachu trophies, like, which are considered like the second tier just below the Pikachu, they're like down 70%. So, and I think at this point, the illustrator is almost developing a mythos within the hobby itself, like an allure. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it is, it is a grail. Absolutely. It is, it is a grail. Um, and there's only a very, very finite amount of these available. And I would say there's definitely more people that want it than the amount that are available. And who knows how many of these will never become listed or available. Uh, I imagine as it goes up, you're approaching life changing money. I am sure that will make people consider if they want to keep this card or not. Um, yeah. My biggest thing is it's created that, well, if I don't buy it now, like the next one's going to be insane because people are going to look, yeah. look at the raw copy in the previous seven, mm-hmm. especially like that raw copy. And if a nine pops up and a raw is going for 420 and we saw a seven go for like double that, yeah. that thing's going to be like, like in the mill to 1.5 mil range if someone you know, with the if right you, name, you, gets you a get a hold of that. If you get in a bidding war, it could even be more than that. Yeah. Because so. people, you know, the folks with that have that sort of money have done the research. They know there is only a X amount. There's probably on one hand you can count that might be eligible for PSA nine. So yep. you, you, you get a bidding war going on and sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah. Much. People with people with mind to throw will ensure because it's also kind of a, a status symbol. What do you think within the hobby itself? So. Yeah, I mean it's pretty much you know like you know the biggest sports cards you think of. Like I don't really collect sports in any way, mm-hmm. but I know like a Mickey Mantle, like Jordan. Yeah, I know Jordan. Yeah, I know those iconic cards. Like the Illustrator is the card for Pokemon, mm-hmm. even though there is rare cards but they're not publicized or not talked about nearly as much as the illustrator i mean even i remember when was it i think i was a freshman in high school when one was sold and it made huge news you know i remember i can't even remember reading about it It was some article it was just a big deal that this illustrator card sold for the amount that it did and i at that time i had never heard of it you know i was that might be the time i'm thinking of but it might be totally different because, I mean, this was like probably back in high school for me. And I remember seeing an article. I want to say like 14,000 was the number or somewhere like it sold over 10,000. Yeah. But I have no idea like when I heard that. But that was like the first time. And I was thinking like, geez, like what would it, you know, how crazy would it be to own that car? $10,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, for me, I thought it was still the Charizard. That was like, oh, it's got to be the, the, the number one card. And then when I heard about this, I was like, I've never even heard of this card. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, that's that's changed. But at, at the time, I was like, what? 
Boo. Well, and at that uh, time, you could buy a decent uh, first edition Charizard, like five to eight range for oh, yeah. like 400, 500 bucks. Oh, God. <laughs> so and you're like, you're just thinking like, man, <laughs> that's like a lot of Charizards I could buy with that money. Oh, God, I wish I, I would have. Can't see can't do much now. I just it is it is what it is, you know. Yeah. But um. But yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on with the uh, in relation to Japanese trophies. I know we kind of went on a tangent there, but um, <laughs> um, there for people who don't know, there's been over the years this famous Yahoo Japan seller, uh, PK Ono, or Pokino, however you want to say it. Um, there was some news that actually came out about him recently from this Instagram account, Daisuke Orb. Um, I highly recommend checking him out. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but maybe it'll come up in a later episode once we know more, because this was just like within the last week. But he basically revealed that Pokino was an old developer for Pokemon for the TCG rules. So that kind of makes sense because this is a known guy who has like a lot of copies, maybe not a lot of copies, but more than, you know, anyone else, like two or three of certain cards that are crazy. Um, and he's been just kind of selling them throughout the years. It's not known if his Pokemon connection is still there, but I just thought that was like a little interesting piece of information that we might develop in a later episode. We might hear more about that, but, He's been kind of shrouded by mystery, and now we basically kind of have some proof from this guy that he was a developer for Pokemon in the rule set of the TCG back in the day. So, Mm. pretty cool information there. Not sure what to think of it yet. We'll let you know if something else pops up, but interesting in the world of trophies. But, like I said, don't want to elaborate it on too much because... There's not many people collecting trophy cards out there or listening to this who are going for those. We want to kind of appeal to more broader audience than that. But uh, uh, one last thing I want to talk about, and then we want to get you on the Pokemon Go section. Uh, We have the Japanese Lost Abyss set, which was kind of announced. It's going to be like August 26th release. It's going to be the Sword and Shield 11 um, this is in Japan. It's called Last Abyss for Us, but in Japan, it's going to be Lost Origin. And the artwork that's shown on Pokey Beach is that of a Diamond and Pearl artwork. It's actually the artwork of the poster you got when you bought Diamond and Pearl as either like a bundle or like a pre-order bonus or something. I can't really remember how you got that poster, but it's the artwork from the Diamond and Pearl games when Platinum came out. So, I really love how they're uh, using this whole year to pay an homage to the Diamond and Pearl yeah. era. It's, yeah. uh, that, that era is really, I don't want to say underappreciated, but within the TCG, you know, that's kind of a part of, I guess if you want to say, the lost era, that I, I, I like to call it as, of the yeah. Pokemon TCG and... A lot of people are starting to develop or find out about that era more and more, but I really love to see that they're paying it all sorts of respect this year. It's really, really great. My thing is, is like, you know, I consider the Lost Era Gen 3, 
because I was back into collecting when Gen 4 came out. So, like, Gen, yeah. Gen 3 is my lost era. And now here we go this year. We get, like, Diamond and Pearl hype. But it's, like, not really all that hype to me because, like, that's when I started collecting again. It's, like, right at the end of the EX series. So, like, Gen 3 kind of gets the shaft again, even in modern, you know? <laughs> it mm. kind of got the shaft back there when Pokemon kind of lost popularity. Yeah. The gold stars, some of the rarest cards and like the normal TCG sets, like don't really get a whole lot of love. Yeah. yeah I, I like to call that era the forgotten era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, because I mean, you, 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 you are absolutely right. Um, that's by then everybody was moving on to, you know, they were getting older. They were in Yu Gi Oh. They it were something else. It wasn't cool then, anymore to like Pokemon. No, and you, you, a lot of people that age were also made fun of if they were still within the hobby. So even those that were into it, they probably didn't really talk about it. Yeah, you it know, wasn't I, wasn't cool to be a nerd yet. And... No, <laughs> I mean I was still collecting casually by the early two thousands, but it was like whenever I was buying cards for Yu Gi Oh. And I saw on eBay, I saw like some Japanese Pokemon cards, and I was like, "Hey, mom, can you get me some of these as well?" You know, so yeah, I I do have some cards that um that I did buy well after I stopped buying packs and got out of the hobby, but by and large, it's uh not quite as much. Yeah, and I mean, I even got into the hobby like really early compared to most people today. I remember when diamond and pearl came out i came in at like the set after that um let me double check which set those were i remember actually opening getting excited for like secret wonders when it was releasing and then they had the level x's coming out and so pretty much the way it worked back then is you had like secret wonders i'm trying to pull this up on pokey lector real quick but you had Secret Wonders, which was the fourth set in the Diamond and Pearl line. Third set in the Diamond and Pearl line. So you would go to Walmart and you would see the new product, Secret Wonders, sitting on the shelf in like one row of those little hanger racks. But right next to it, you would see like the last three or four sets. Like you would still see product for like three or four sets back that are just kind of hanging out, you know. But the Pokemon racks of cards were like the new set and like a couple sets older. And then you still had some deck stuff from like three or four sets back. It was it was weird, like totally different than today where all you see is like the set that's here now. Um, but I remember seeing like Crystal Guardians, and Dragon Frontiers and Power Keepers, the last three sets of the EX era. I remember seeing those like on the shelf. Even Legend Maker. Legend Maker, um, for some reason I didn't see Holland Phantoms, but I remember seeing EX packs on the shelves, and like back then you're like, oh, that's an old set. That's nothing cool. I want Secret Wonders. <laughs> so that's just kind of <laughs> how the, the attitude was. So yeah, even back then, when I saw those cards on the shelves, like it was still the Forgotten Era. Mm -hmm. Like I could have bought those packs, but they were just dismissed because that wasn't what was cool nope it's just like today you know battle styles isn't cool because you know <laughs> that released ages ago like months yeah. ago but uh, yeah it's just weird I, weird how time and things never change 
I would love to uh, talk about this era more in depth down the road, have potentially a, a special episode either about this era, you know, break it down in a few eras or or whatever and give it a little bit more love because I there is a lot of great art in these in these sets that I I wonder how many people so far have actually ventured to seek out this uh, a few of these cards. Yeah. And fire red leaf green, I mean that was that was honestly one of the best EX sets. It was basically a throwback to the OG Kanto Pokemon because Fire Red and Leaf Green just released. Mm-hmm. The artwork in there is awesome. Got all the classic Pokemon. I'm pretty sure it's like exclusively classic Pokemon, like 151. But yeah, such a great set. And then right after that, you had the uh, in the the hype of the Gold Stars. Yeah, just a crazy era and just totally neglected. So yeah, last thing we had down was the Pokemon Go Johto Tour. It's actually Which, happening right now as we're recording yes, this. Yes, I had to take a break in the middle of that, which is all good. Um, it was really, really great. These these events within Pogo are usually some of the best times to play. Even if you don't play that often, it still usually has something that can really engage even casual players. Um, and they, this one seems to have been their best, I don't want to say produced, of all of the other um, events that, that they've had. Uh, like the Safari Zones weren't quite as detailed as this uh, event. Yeah. Um, currently, it has several callbacks to the gold-silver era. This is, uh, well, it's the Pokemon Go Toto event, if you're, if you're not familiar, uh, we just kind of yeah. both, I think, assumed that the that the, the viewing audience would know what we're talking about because we've yeah. talked about it now for a little bit. So when um, you start the event, you pick like gold or silver. And yeah, like... and I I pick silver. the The silver I thought had better um, better potential Pokemon you can get for for the shiny variant. However, upon playing, it seemed like there really wasn't much difference in terms of actual spawns. Uh, but what you get for the research awards would be the primary difference. Um, the one cool th- part I liked is you had the guaranteed shiny Gyarados, obviously the first shiny ever introduced in Pokemon, and we all remember trying to fish that thing out. Uh, so how so do you when, get that so, in Pokemon Go? Like... You just go through the uh, special research. Um, uh-huh. I forget what step it was on, but as you were going throughout the main special research for Celebi, with the special move set, uh, one of the rewards is the shiny Gyarados, and mine was actually great IV, so I was pretty happy. Um, I, as as you know, I'm a former hardcore player with this game. Uh, I don't quite play as hardcore as I used to, but with these events, whenever they do happen, I still go hard. You can usually get you can maximize your time invested into the game itself. Um, and I find the rewards to be very, very great. Like, for example, I've, I think I've already gotten like 15 shinies and a few of them are ones I, I haven't had. Uh, That's cool. And, and yeah, that was just the first few hours. Like, the increased shiny rates make it to where you get one like every hour, or you're not quite every hour, but a few, several, every hour. Um, and whereas with 
playing, you know, regularly, it's in Pokemon Go, the shiny rates work a lot different than within the games. In the games, it can be very, very difficult to acquire shinies. In Pokemon Go, it's usually around a 1 in 500 chance or so for your normal shinies. And rare Pokemon have different rates. Uh, but regardless, the main, the overall shiny rate, I, I don't quite know, but usually... Kind of evens out a little bit. Yeah, but usually it's around like one in like a hundred and something, like one hundred thirty or something like that. So you could you could have periods like I did. I went three hours only getting one this morning, and then in the final hour leading up to this, I got like eight, eight or nine. Yeah. So it was it was it wasn't quite one the first few hours, but it was very very slow. Um, but anyways, is that the we, chase of the game now? Like I know that's kind of. So I quit Pokemon Go quite a while ago, but I know it kind of drove me crazy with the the shiny chase. And like every week, you know, was a new shiny chase or every two weeks. Is that Uh, still kind of the the theme or are they changing it up? That's the primary source of content of new content is new shiny releases. They they have stretched out uh, the gens, especially the later gens. Like we're still missing... Parts of Gen 3, even, like, Hecleon still has not been released, and at this point, I have to assume it's not going to release until the Hoenn event next year, because they've now done Kanto, Johto, so I assume next year for the for birthday for the birthday of Pokemon is going to be Hoenn, and I would hope that they introduced Hecleon into this game, because a lot of people have been asking for Hecleon. It's almost become a meme, I, f- I feel like, at yeah. this point. Uh, because it's just, okay, we got, you know, we got Gen 6, even parts of Gen 7 out, but... I remember when I quit, like, multiple, couple of years ago, multiple years ago, I don't even know when I quit, like, three or four years ago, probably at this point. Still, I think it was, like, where's Kecleon, or when is Kecleon going to be released type thing, mm-hmm. even back then. Yeah, and I, I just saw they, they were data-mined, and there are going to be, looks like a little bit of Gen 7 is going to be release here eventually we, we don't really know but usually if they introduce it into the code that usually means it will be coming somewhat up pretty soon. soon yeah like it might be a couple months but it'll be somewhat soon and with GoFest and all that coming up you got the safari zone they, they announced in spain i imagine I, I think this year they're gonna go big uh no go fest the last two years and if you haven't been to GoFest, i'll tell you why it is some of the most fun you'll ever have playing this game it, i i absolutely loved it it's we go every year uh well we didn't we did go the first year because we were unsure of what it was going to be but every since then we've gone every year besides the two it was canceled obviously and we plan on going this year it is just a fun time it's been in chicago the last couple of years and really really fun and i've got to experience chicago and that is a great city no you say you haven't played in what is it several years and that's true to my knowledge, but, you know, we did meet playing this game, uh, for those yeah. unaware. See, so, yeah, I guess we can kind of go on to the main topic, and uh, I guess since we elaborated a lot on the news, we can kind of crunch down this main topic, because <laughs> uh, it's just basically who we are and, like, how we met, but you guys will learn more about us as we go, and uh, our main topic in the future will be really in-depth kind of conversation there. So, uh, yeah. So, who are you? <laughs> so, uh, I guess it's just easiest to begin with how we met. Um, 
in my introduction within Pokemon. Obviously, I was into Pokemon as a kid. I'm a part of the uh, prime age group for when Pokemon released. Uh, 31 now. So, in 99, you know, that's everybody was in on Pokemon. And like everybody else, I was hardcore into it. I was really into collecting even then. I had all, I never, I almost never played the game ever. Uh, I had all my cars in the little, the, the book, um, the collector's book uh, with Charizard and Blastoise and Pikachu. I still had that even to this day. And all, all my hollows were in there. Unfortunately, <laughs> I believe I threw away all the bulk when I was younger. Um, yeah, I know, and I know some some of them were first editions, not first edition, not first edition base. Uh, we live in the Midwest. I don't believe there was ever any opportunity to buy first edition base. Um, yeah, not, but not they too had, much. No, but there was first edition jungle, first edition fossil that I had, um, but just kept the hollows through. Everything else out. Yeah, I know. There's what could have been. But uh, anyways, I kind of stopped with Pokemon. I went to Yu-Gi-Oh! And then just, you know, I, I grew up with other things as I got older and as our generation got older. And I would hear whispers about new Pokemon. Like, I remember first one specific part of Pokemon I remember hearing about. I was in high school and I, I was and I remember hearing about Arceus. And I heard about Arceus, and like he's like the god Pokemon. I was like, what, the god Pokemon? And then somebody was describing me the lore, and I'm like, that is really, really cool. But I never ventured into it, but I see that as the basis of why now I'm into Arceus so much. Uh, it was just this fascination with Arceus and within the, the lore itself. It was just really unique, I thought. But anyways... Uh, I, I didn't really buy any cards, and Pokemon was on the back burner. I would take a little look at my cards from time to time. I actually brought it up to college with me. Yeah. But even though I looked, I never went out and about. A part of the, the barrier of entry for me was I didn't know what packs to get. Yeah. I didn't know which packs were good. I didn't know where to look. And because of that, I was like, I thought about it sometimes, but I was like, nah, I'm not sure quite. What if I don't get anything and it just sucks? That's that's kind of was my thought process. And that's how it remained until 2016. Um, I remember I had a friend tell me about Pokemon Go launching. I'm like, that sounds really cool. So I downloaded the APK like a day early, like two days before it actually even dropped. And I was, I was out playing. Uh, and... You remember how it was in the beginning? It was unplayable almost. Yeah, the first I forgot, day, the I first... forgot the APK thing was a thing. Like you could play a couple early. Yeah, and it was fine that first day because there wasn't a lot of people playing. But by that second day, it was or no, it was the third day. You know, people were all around playing it, and uh, by that third day, during during the day, not only was it in the dead of July, so it was absolutely miserable here in in the Midwest. Um, I was just dripping in sweat phone was overheating it was so hot i thought my my hand was gonna burn you know and i thought my yeah. phone was gonna catch fire it was it was that hot uh and i could i could only play at night so i kind of became nocturnal and well that i started seeing your name around and yours your name was the only level that was higher than me 
So I was like, who is this guy? This guy. <laughs> who is he? I must know. <laughs> this guy is a higher level than me. Uh, yeah. So, I, and like, it was, it wasn't just a couple. It was like, you were like 31 and I was like 27. You know, you were, you were a little bit higher than me. And it doesn't seem like a very high level now. But back then, the first couple of weeks, that was a very high level. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. Like, I remember a lot of people who I knew who like people I knew who played a lot were like mid twenties or like 23 to 26 range. Like that was a high level. And I was like 30, 31. <laughs> like I was really chucking it up there. And we met one night at the steps of our local campus. Um, and then obviously we realized, Oh, okay. So now we put a face to the name. And we just started hanging out almost every single night. Yeah. That's how I remember it. And we met a lot of people. We like I, m- most of my friends to this day. I shouldn't say most. I still have a lot of other friends from other areas, but a lot of individuals I talk to to this day, I've met playing this game. I've even met my future state rep and befriended him while playing this game. Yeah. Uh, if that if that puts things into perspective, and I've met a lot of different people. Um. You know, you've seen the memes like playing the summer of 2016 with uh, Pokemon Go is the closest we've ever come to world peace. And man, I'll, I'll tell you what, that, that summer was a summer of fun. It was really amazing. And all the friends I've met while playing this game have just been incredible. I wish I would have like, been kind of like into content more then because I kind of have a history of like recording and like YouTube and all that. Like mm-hmm. I wish I would have captured some of those moments in some way. But all the, the people si- surrounded i remember when it, when a gloom spawned and 20 people came down on, on this gloom it was... i remember like a nitto king came the second or third week when like people had heard like this certain park in town was the place to go everyone would hang out like it was like peak pokemon go craze and right when the students came back i think it was because you know it it was getting ready to be like a new semester and like the students mm-hmm. were back in town. So like double or more of the population in town and this Nitto King spawned. Someone shouted Nitto King and everyone, I mean, just like started taking off running like a block away. And like there were people on bikes who were like pedaling over there. <laughs> He's right here. He's right here. I remember this guy that was absolutely trash was was on his phone and he he, he came from the the bars across the street and he was like Pikachu <laughs> and like his friends were like what are you doing I'm catching this Pikachu <laughs> yeah it was it was honestly like I mean I feel like I'm over exaggerating when I say like it was like the best couple months of like my life but as far as like video games go and like experiences and meeting people like it was just one of those moments you just had to be there and like it's just hardly i mean i don't think it can ever be recreated even it was just insane and you stopped playing around september i kept on going i never ever stopped uh well i mean eventually i did but that's that was a few years down the road but I rose to be the highest level in town, um, and I've actually met my girlfriend of five years while playing this game. 
she was very particular. She she wanted me to mention that we both hit 40 on the same day together, and we were the first 40s in town. But, but <laughs> who was who was first though? Someone had to be first. No, we we actually uh, we were so intense and, and competitive over it. We agreed to just to do it at the same time. Yeah, so we, we both did. Yeah, we we both did an involved. Like we, we both did an evolve, and we hit 40. And uh, I had to grind hard that day to to ensure that that happened. Um, but uh, so you we got, both did that. You got like she got like first point five, and you got first. well. See, I was <laughs> I, I was originally ahead of her, and then she was getting frustrated that I was getting ahead of her, and I was like, okay, so basically I didn't quite play as much, um, and she ended up getting ahead of me. A little bit and then so i had to play harder to catch up that day and then we and then we went ahead and went for the same day it was two days after gen 2 dropped so it was like february 17th 2017 yeah. and i could yeah i continue to play hard i joined the level 40 club uh when that used to be like a big deal and then once that group got oversaturated they made another group called well it's not really secret anymore so i'm gonna go ahead and say it the secret 100 million club <laughs> um and it was very 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 exclusive it was basically only like 50 people in the world um it was basically the top players in the world uh and it was hard for me to keep up with that level because at, for the longest time i didn't have a car and I, I did have, obviously, I played time with my girlfriend and we, we drove, but the vast majority of it was me walking on foot. Yeah. I also worked I also worked on my feet. So I was on my feet like 70 plus hours a week. And it was starting to, it was starting to have a toll on me. Um, but I kept on trying to push it. And I, I, at one point I was, I mean, from what they could gather, I was a top 100 player in the world for this game that they could identify with those that responded with their questionnaires and everything. Yeah. Obviously, I, th I think I might have been on, on the cusp with, because it didn't include any of the, uh, most of the Asian players, more specifically the, the, the Japanese. Um, and, you know, when there's that, you know, within that culture, whenever they're into a game, like, hey, go hard. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the Japanese have some of the most ridiculous, for Pokemon Go, have some of those ridiculous stats with this game. And when you get uh, to that level, like it's so optimized that there's like, you know, XP waste becomes a thing. That's not kinda... just that, but it becomes a big difference of how much money are you willing to put in. Yeah. And I, it was like, I was invest, I was spending several thousand dollars a year uh, playing this game. And that's where my attention was at between 2016 and 2020 was spending money on this game instead of, Pokemon TCG because even when all that uh, was going down, I actually did buy packs. Um, this was I think it was either 2016 or 2017. It was it the the ten I bought featured a bunch of evolution packs, and I opened it and I got the Mega Venusaur. Yeah, so I was like, oh yes, <laughs> awesome, and I, that was the only hit I had that whole entire ten. But I loved it. I actually went and bought like sixty dollars more. So it was like three more tens, and I, I didn't get much more from from those packs. Um, but then this was this was around Christmas. Basically, I won like a few hundred dollars at the casino <laughs> that I was at, 
and yeah, I tell spent me the story. It, yeah, and I spent it all on Pokemon because they had they still had some during Christmas, and I was like, you know what, I'm 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 down for this, and I I bought a bunch and kind of had a few good pulls, but I just put all of it in tens and didn't really think too much of it in part and mainly because I was spending so much of my time and energy for Pokemon Go trying to maintain that elite status within the, uh, the the game itself and obviously I was it was almost unhealthy the amount that I was playing I would say it was unhealthy like my I was scheduling my whole day uh, around playing that game I was scheduling my life around playing that game and it was like that for several years again I will say I've met some of my closest friends people bunch of people I still talk to this day while playing that game so I did eventually come back after taking about a year off during 2020 um, because I did miss it. It does keep me active. Like, you know, I've walked this track over 16,000 kilometers uh, while playing this game. And I know it's more than that. I mean, it, the, in the beginning, the, the geo tracking on this yeah, app was absolutely accurate. atrocious. No, I, I once walked the course of um, it was well over a mile and it tracked point one. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like and it, it. It was in a straight line too. I was trying to get these eggs to hatch, and it was in a straight line, and it still didn't hatch. And that was also before Adventure Sync, uh, which you know it, it tracked your steps. But the problem was when Adventure Sync first started, if you were in a very small space, it didn't track the area very well. So even whenever I worked at my previous job, it still was not tracking. I would say my actual distance traveled is probably over eighteen thousand kilometers. Yeah. Uh, which is I, I have all my stats like when I quit on a video somewhere I think had it all recorded and I went through all my shinies and like kind of explained how I got them like the story mm-hmm. of all my pokemon so I need to actually make that video sometime The game definitely does have great moments in in small doses and I I I still really do enjoy enjoy the game in small doses but I think my hiatus from the game really taught me a lot as I entered the Pokemon TCG. Yeah. But I also carried some of the FOMO. I, I, I will admit I carried some of the FOMO that I also had within Pokemon Go. But as I've matured into both games, or hobby games, whatever, everything comes back, it seems like. And... Now my FOMO is almost minimalist slash non-existent. Yeah, uh, that's almost what I had to this... do. I had to step back because, like, you know, I'll I'll kind of explain my thoughts on the game when I kind of tell mm-hmm. my side. But yeah, it's like I almost had to step back or force myself to step back and miss out in order mm-hmm. to like, okay, I'm not the top. I don't need to maintain the top anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely has a FOMO aspect. Yes, it does. And I believe that's something that once you take a step outside within the hobby, you kind of look things objectively. And then you start questioning, well, why am I going so hard with this? What am I really gaining while I go so hard with this? And I think that same philosophy can be applied while opening packs or trying to find what you want to go into within the hobby. Um really checking yourself and reminding yourself about what you want important within your goals and what you find important, not just in your goals, but in your life. Um, And it's very important to balance 
your hobbies because this thing can become a dangerous a dangerous tightrope uh, if you aren't able to control it. I I will even admit, <laughs> like you know, I, I I say all this, but you know, full, full transparency. Whenever I did get into this hobby full force, and I did get into it full force, <laughs> uh, I was opening packs left and right. I was clearing out stores. I was buying everything. And part of it was because I was getting crazy lucky with my pulls. Um, yeah. But I guess, I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves now. But, but basically, well, that's you know, like I, after Pokemon Go, though. So, yeah, like, yeah. yeah what, that's kind of what you did after Pokemon Go. Yeah. But let's, I guess we can fast forward to when I, uh, I, with 2020, the pandemic, it was even before then I was starting to take a step back because I, I completed the shiny decks, the, li- the living shiny decks. So, you know, everything up to, up to that point. And that was the last goal for me. And of course, the, a week later, they dropped like 15 shinies. And I was, I was just done. Was it an By event then, or something? Yeah, it was some sort of like fall event. And it was rare Pokemon, including Oruppy and oh, yeah. Drapion, and I forget what else was releasing. But I was just like, I, I, I can't keep doing it. I'm done. Like, I was, I just lost the energy. And I still played a little bit, but then the pandemic happened in 2020. I would use it to get out and about still. And by that summer, I was still opening for a few people. With for a few people that I know were trying to get XP, um, but and even then it got to the point where I was only every few days. I thought I was done. I was starting to try to pawn off some of my stuff to to sell. You know, like hey, yeah. you know, I was trying. I was actually trying to sell it for Pokemon cards uh, by the fall. Um, but the, the deals, I feel like I was. A few of the people that messaged me, they were trying to. I felt like I was going to take a. It felt like I was taking advantage of them based on what they were wanting, and what they're willing to give. I was like, I, I, I can't do that. Like it was t- too much. Yeah. Like they were willing, they were willing to spend like, you know, $20, $30 on like one of my max stock T-tars. And I'm like, no, no, that's not fair, you know, for you. Um, so I just didn't end up doing it. Um, yeah. but we get to me being on a hiatus relatively with this game. And then, so, you know, my mind is itching for a new hobby without even realizing it. Did you and, consider selling your account as a whole? No, because it wouldn't ever get the time and money I put in. Like, what and would what would a number be? Like, I know right now, like you'd probably be astronomical, given the time you put in. But like back twenty thousand. Like back then, how much would you have to have? I would say it'd still have to be around twenty thousand. Yeah. Because. I mean, the amount of time, I, the hours that I put in, and it, there is some sentimental value, but obviously you throw me a number. If, you could, if, some, if somebody came up to give me 100K for my account right now, I would say, yes, let's do it. Because that life change of money is more than this account. That and I have developed uh, a few alts, and I get some of the special events, shinies on those alts as well. So if there is ever an opportunity, somebody, I, you know, this is very unlikely, but if there ever is an opportunity where that might occur, uh, I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think that's a very niche 
very niche thing, and I don't think that's ever going to happen, probably. Uh, but anyways, did, you I have... I sell mine. Oh, you, oh, yeah. But at the point, you know, I was kind of not... Like, I was... It was a kind of a normal account. It was a level 40 high XP account. But I was, you know, I kind of sold off some Pokemon. But, yeah, I ended up just selling it as a whole. But it was also not like you know, your account where you had not stopped playing because you, at that point, like, you were still playing. So, like, you were still, like, top of the top. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had, like, quit for, like, a whole year. Um, So it was, like, a normal account, and it was also more to, like, detach myself because I'm kind of the same way, like, kind of addictive personality with games. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a game right now that I didn't even want to start because I knew I'd get into it, and now I'm, like, down the rabbit hole. Is that Arceus? <laughs> no, it's uh, actually Lost <laughs> Ark, which is okay. a Korean game, really grindy at the end game. So, of course, probably the worst game to get into yeah. for me. But So, yeah, I just had to like break, like cut the chain. And I'm looking forward to playing it again someday. And it, I keep thinking, like, man, it's going to be so fun to like log in and pretty much every Pokemon I click on is an available shiny. Yeah. You know? So for sure, I'll probably wait till like my daughter or like someone wants to play, and then I'll download it and just start a collection of shinies or something. But that's kind of how I played the game. Like I didn't really go for gyms, with the exception to like you know get the items. Um, which was... you know that's something that I've I've garnered towards now, which was the, my original interest in this game was the battling and the gym part and. That's what's keeping me going primarily now, and I it gets me out about, but at the same time, I'm not interested. There, there's some folks here within the city that have that have gone really hard. They've gone within like every gym within a 30 mile radius. I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 30, 40 mile radius. I don't care about that. If right. I can just get them within city, that's kind of my goal. Um, I remember going back home, which was a small town of 2,000 people, and, like, putting some of my Pokemon on gyms. mm -hmm. And, like, man, they'd be there for, like, weeks. And people would, like, send me pictures. It's like, how the hell you got this Blissey at this level sitting on top of this gym? Yeah. (laughs) But it's kind of at a disadvantage because I had such a good place to play up here. Arguably, Mm -hmm. like, one of the best unless you're in St. Louis or Kansas City. Yeah, and it's gotten better with the with the stops that you can submit. It's areas have begun to really get built up, and I haven't been able to get around to it. Uh, but there's a few areas on campus and within the downtown area itself that I would like to submit for it to become as rich as stops as certain areas in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but I think we've uh, we kind of need to get to your side. Um, <laughs> well, what so, you what you do after Pokemon Go? Like, what I know you got into cards at the 2020 hype, and then we kind of reconnected. Yes. Yeah. So basically, we uh, you had mentioned before that you were trying to you were interested in buying my cards because when we would hang out, I mentioned, oh, I obviously still have my old collection, and. I thought they were in near mint. I think every collector is like, my old cards are in mint condition. I swear, I tell you. And uh, that's how it starts. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought they were because I did take overall good care of them. Um, but 
I was like, nah, nah, I'm not interested in selling because there wasn't a value that you, you could give me based on my sentimental uh, connection with them. And anyways, fast forward to October 2020. The first thing, the first piece of news I heard was about logic. And then the second piece I heard was maybe a few days later was Logan Paul. And when I start hearing about the kind of money that was involved in this, I thought maybe I didn't quite recall everything that I had, but I start going through and then I start talking to you. And then we just kind of start going back and forth about well, what are some things in this hobby, where to begin. And it was a lot of information to learn at once. Um, you know, not everybody had somebody like you to guide them through the process. And you're able to tell me several areas to look at, easy sites to to go through, and I absorbed everything like a sponge. Because whenever I really get into something, I really get into something. And, and I this knew was no you different. were like that. And I knew, like, there. I don't have a whole lot of friends who, like, really get, like, obsessed with something on the level mm-hmm. I do. I have a lot of friends who were, like, really interested and, like, really get into stuff, but... Like I'm like the obsession level when I get focused on something. Mm-hmm. I I just hard focus on one thing, and for a long time that one thing has been Pokemon. And so that's when I asked you to come over, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I was like, you just need it. to come over. You need to see my collection. I just need to tell you all this information. Like I I told you so much stuff in that like two hours that I remember it took. Bro, everything down. I was writing notes on everything on like the places to go, like the 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 sites to go, like so. I was worried that it might, it might be too much, though. Like I was like, I just it, need to tell you all this. It's a lot, but knowing you were kind of like who you were, it's like most people when I like do that, they're just like, oh wow, it's it's just crazy, you know. And then they don't yeah. like really get into it themselves, so I don't really take the time to like explain something in depth. I'm I'm just too yeah. much to like normal people pretty much. <laughs> yeah, some people have told me within the uh Pokemon Go community itself here they they say sometimes I'm too intense. And uh <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes when I when I'm hyped up, I I definitely see that, but uh sometimes when you get so involved and passionate about something, you just have so much energy for hey to go. And, and not a lot of people understand that level like not a like I do, because I'm like it. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, I know how that is, because I'm like that too. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just hard to explain to someone who's not like that hyper focused. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it says something to who we are, but we're passionate. Yeah. And as we stepped down the rabbit hole, as you were educating me on the hobby itself, you kind of begin t- going into your own collection. And for me, getting into the hobby, I was obviously wowed is the only way to really describe it. Um, and obviously just a little bit envious because you got into the hobby at a good time, at a really good time. And uh, you did not stop. Um, I mean, you did obviously took a few years off and then you came back. But yeah, that collection was really amazing. And it just 
really incredible being able to actually hold first edition hollows and the whole set, the whole first edition set and some of your promos and, and everything else. Yeah. It just shows you like, it's the best way just to show you like the lifestyle of hardcore <laughs> collecting. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then here we are today doing a podcast. Yeah. And, uh, we obviously submitted, well, we submitted a bunch of cards as well. I'm still waiting on some of that. Um, we got back one order that we sent in December. We're still waiting on the one we sent in October slash early November. Um, yeah, that's and... going to be a, another main topic for an episode of mm-hmm. this whole situation with PSA still. Well, and I look back at that whenever we s- submitted that order and... I realized, you know, there was a lot of mistakes. Even whenever I was watching videos and even you were saying, like, you might be making, like, a mistake. I was like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there how was many, definitely some how stuff. How many I Evolutions booster boxes did you open again? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the actual boxes. Or how many did you buy? Six. And how many did you open? It was, it was either five or six. I opened all of them. But it wasn't <laughs> at – I got in, like – I don't think it was it was the best time, obviously, but it was two weeks before everybody else did. And I was the cost basis for each of the booster boxes was like three thirty or something like that. Um, and within I think a few weeks after, they doubled and tripled in price. Uh, so I got in at the perfect moment. Yeah, see if, if I would have been more familiar with the Pokemon uh, hobby itself. And, well, and you reached out early, like you reached out to me early yeah. and I got you going and like a lot of people just didn't have good information. They kind of had to figure it out. So like, yeah, you were, it was right about two weeks to three weeks ahead of the game. Yeah. And, uh, I did go hard within evolutions and I loved opening every single bit of it, but that compulsion to open packs, you know, that's kind of what I hinted at earlier about being careful about the fine line of passion and obsession, um, passion, obsession, and addiction, you know, and I've loved it. I, I don't, during that time frame. there's a lot going on obviously in the world and it was a great escape. I had a lot of fun. I definitely, now if I would have, if I would do it again, would I do things a little bit differently? Yeah, I, I probably would have, but at, at the time it was a lot of fun and it, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, and I knew, like, that's kind of why I guided you to Evolutions. It's a really exciting set to open. You get that base set feeling without spending the base set money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew, like, you just had to open something because, like, that's how I was. That's how everyone is. They just want to open. And, like, you're just now to the point where, like, you're more towards not opening. Mm-hmm. But, like, you just got to get that fix either way. But it I wasn't because I didn't of think you would open all of them. <laughs> well, I told myself I, I should hold on to it, but the pulls I was getting were just incredible. You were you were getting good pulls, and at the time, like it was worth the opening because I mean you were pulling like a lot of zards. It was an average of like three to four a box, I think, or something like that. Yeah, and... you you had some good zard ratios for sure. And so it just kept me going. And then I was able to go down to a neighboring city and buy out their evolutions with Canto Powerbacks 
power boxes. Again, this was a week or two before every, like everybody else, it seemed like, yeah. was getting into it. And I got a lot more evolutions. So, And then I went into the, the dollar stores and bought them out. <laughs> yeah went to like almost i went to like every like i was able to hit every single store and bought out everything because it was just soon enough to beat the rush yeah. fortunately then, well i was just gonna say and then we know how the next year went like pretty much everyone's been in the same the same yeah. boat with all the 25th anniversary hype and every new set that comes out it's getting better now where like the hype is kind of calm mm-hmm. but which i think is good for the hobby and is good for growth of the hobby yeah and even during the hype like you know i just didn't give in to the hype i was telling you to buy evolution booster boxes <laughs> at 250 or 300 like i should have just bought some myself and sold them at a thousand yeah <laughs> but, I, think they even, I think they even hit 1200 didn't they during the hype i think now they're like six to eight hundred yeah, people were talking about how they could never hit a thousand, but because the hype was crazy and people were talking about it, of course it hit a thousand. Yeah, but I don't know. I could have sold my Charizard for like twenty thousand. I didn't. Should have. But but looking back, it's twenty twenty, right? Like hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So I just didn't I mean... give in. I was like, I'm just gonna stay my course. But like, I kind of had an idea of how it was going. I just. Should have been a little more aggressive to it, but I just didn't want to. I didn't know how long it would last. Yeah. And I didn't want to, like, sell a Charizard and then wait years to get it back. I didn't think it would come down. Well, I figured it would come down by this year, but it seemed like a sure long time to wait back then. I think you're good. This this is a great time to get in the hobby. It really is. If you're right, I think it's going to be. For, from a buyer's standpoint, for most things, I think you're gonna it's gonna be great to buy that you're probably interested in. You know, it's gonna be great to, to buy a lot of different things, either in slabs or raw. Um, I've been personally selling more slabs and buying more raw, uh, and I've been really getting into binder sets more and more. Um, that's what I'm that's about. I curve. love binder sets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, kind of your your binder sets is kind of seeing how you can just scroll through and turn turn the page, and you can see the whole entire artwork, and it's really a that's another thing I couldn't cataloging. Really, yeah, cataloging like display, mm-hmm. and just like this this history with within the actual Pokemon TCG and just Pokemon in general. That's um, another you know, early thing. It's a thing that was a downside to me is like the fact that I was a binder collector and didn't have stuff already graded. Yeah. So like I was kind of like a bottleneck where I couldn't grade stuff to sell it to get the prices, but I didn't really want to anyway. So it's just kind of weird, you know, that I was in that situation, but content. Like I've cracked out literally like that summer of 2020. I cracked out a PSA 9 Mew Gold Star out of a seat or a PSA case. I cracked out. Oh, there was like a PSA 9 Vaporeon Gold Star I cracked out. Cracked out Sky Ridge Hollows that were 7s and 8s. I don't think I could do that though. <laughs> just to put them in the I binder, just, buy, just to have a complete binder set. I would just buy a, like what I'm doing personally, I would just buy a 
either a play, like a moderately play, and I'll just throw that in the binder. Yeah. And just because how many are in that condition are so limited and they were so rare that it's just, I, I don't think I could do that. Like, if it just gets one little nick, it could make it even <laughs> worse quality. And, or what if, yeah. I don't know, something, some, I don't know, somehow something gets on it on the binder and it smashes it a little bit and it might get just a few scratches, you know? I uh, almost cracked out my Charizard just to put it in the binder, but for some reason yeah. that was the one card I didn't crack out. And I'm only glad I did now. Like, I wish I had a binder copy still that wasn't so decent condition, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't crack it out now because it would cost so much to grade it now. Yeah. Well, and eventually. I guess the only I thing think... I regret is like the grading prices. Like, I don't regret cracking them out. No, we can talk about this in more episodes, but they're definitely, the prices are going to become cheaper, you know? Yeah. It's just a matter of time. It just depends on how patient you are. Well, I'll just kind of give a rundown of my side story because I kind of interweaved it there with yours. but <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and how about like this, for this episode, if you guys have like a good idea for a gimmick or a game, you can like reach out to us some way and I'll post on Instagram and all that. And we'll just kind of leave it, see what kind of responses we get. And we'll kind of just go ahead and touch on a couple of Q and A's and then kind of end it from there. And we'll kind of skip that section now. If that's good with you. I don't oh, want yeah, to, don't want to run too long and then people can kind of throw us some ideas and maybe your idea will yeah. be picked. We are open to constructive criticism. This is episode one and we hope to build on it. And the future. Yeah. And I know it might not be as dazzled as some other podcasts, but it's just kind of us talking to each other, but that's kind of what we're going for. So yep. it might not be for everybody, but it's for that's somebody. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, going back my story, like I said, I'll be real quick because I'm sure over the course of episodes, we'll get questions and I'll kind of elaborate on my experiences through that way. <clears throat> but... It was kind of similar to you. You know, I'm going to be 30 this year, coming up in a couple months. So pretty much same time frame. I got Pokemon Blue, played Pokemon Blue a lot. I was really heavily, like, game-based early on. I had some Pokemon cards, but I liked the games. So I went through uh, Pokemon Blue and then Pokemon Gold actually got for, like, a birthday as a surprise. And, like, that's one of the best memories I have like back in the OG days I had the Charizard Blastoise Pikachu binder that you had it was all beat up all the pages were getting cut out of it I had this giant red box that was like a Pokemon storage thing that I actually want to find a version of to buy it was like a giant red and yellow box and it was like a just storage compartments And up top, it had, like, card storage compartments. It was, like, a really weird toolbox, basically. And uh, I'll have to show you that a little later, but maybe I'll pop a picture up on the video version of this. But it it was really, yeah, it was really a magical time for everybody in the 90s. Fast forward going through high school. Well, the last cards I remember in grade school, I was getting into fifth or fourth grade, And it was kind of becoming too much of a problem to bring cards to school that, you know, teachers would have to take them or they told you don't bring cards to school. Yeah, there was a, you know, I was in the hype of that. 
the last cards I remember circulating school before that happened and Pokemon kind of died out for a while was the Neo Destiny set. Mm-hmm. I remember actually seeing like a Shining Charizard in class with someone had one of those running around. I remember seeing a BGS gold label Meganium Japanese hollow from Neo. So I don't know why or how that got to like a small town, but that just shows you the reach of this thing. They probably ordered that from a magazine. You know, it was, those are just some of the things that, you know, pop out to me. But I remember taking like a small stack to school and it didn't have hardly anything, but it did have a Neo Lugia and a um, Intei reverse hollow promo from the movie in that stack. And like those were what I considered to be like my good cards in that stack. And they actually got stolen one day, which I don't know if it was during class or on the bus. But I remember just being like devastated and I'm never going to have those cards again. Yeah. You know. And so that that's just kind of where my card collecting fizzled out. But I did play the games a lot. I didn't play Gen 3, but I bought Crystal. So I, I played Blue, Gold, and then Crystal. And me and my cousins played that a lot. Um, just obsessed with those games. I remember beating Lance like on the way to school one morning. So I was probably playing that evening. And then I woke up and like seeing if I could beat Lance. Yeah. And I was, uh, my dad was waiting for me to get out of the car and, you know, he was at the front of the school. I'm like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So just really good memories with the games. But yeah, going into high school, it wasn't really cool to be a nerd yet. I was, you know, you were probably, when did you graduate? 2009, 2008? 2009. Yeah. So you were slightly ahead, but like when I was sophomore junior it was starting to kind of be cool to be a nerd and i was for sure like one of the first people to you know take the nerd name but i remember we were sitting on sitting on xbox 360 playing gears of war 2 which that's another story of when we talk about obsession addiction type thing got a little random fact that you might not know about me but (laughs) We got bored of playing Gears of War 2, and we were just sitting there talking. It was like 11 p.m. We had school the next day, and uh, we were like, you know, I kind of want to play Pokemon, and I dug out from my closet, busted out Pokemon Blue, like all the other three guys I was playing with at the time, busted out their Game Boys, because we had all had our old Game Boys from back in the day. I remember someone needed to charge theirs or whatnot, and we just started playing. And uh, we actually brought them to school the next day, and uh, just kind of as a, you know, what we thought was cool or kind of going against the grain of everybody else, you know, bringing Pokemon to school and playing mm-hmm. in high school. So that just kind of became a thing, and uh, it actually kind of took off. A lot of my closer friends that weren't really super into Pokemon started bringing their games. I bought a DS, um, Diamond and Pearl, the original Diamond and Pearl had just came out. Got excited to play those games. There was probably a group of like eight to ten of us at the lunch table and then after school at the park who would play with each other, battle each other on those games. Like it became 
a really fun time. And that's why that era is kind of most nostalgic for me. Because that, you know, I played the original games and was fatting over the original cards so much that that Diamond and Pearl, when they released, that was pretty much the magical era for me when we were getting back into Pokemon. But long story short, played the games a lot. I pretty much bought um, Platinum when it came out, Black and White and Black and White 2, and even X and Y. So even, you know, going up through college, I would still buy the latest game and play and actually, like, battle online competitively. Yeah, I remember in 2016, you were talking about the sun and moon coming out even. Yeah. And you were were pretty hyped for that. Yeah, I was like, X and Y, the games that had came out right before that, were some of the best games for, like, in-game and competitive play still to this day. And... Sun and Moon came out. It was still good, but it they just lost their magic. They just started going to that more 3D feel. Um, yeah. And now, you know, that's where we are today, more of a, like a 3D-based Pokemon game. But that's why I played the games, um, just for the, the in-game aspect, and I had a lot of friends who did too. But Sun and Moon came. I kind of lost interest of the games I kind of played them more casually but not like I used to and then during this time playing the games I would kind of buy Pokemon cards as I saw them Um, a lot of times when we go to the park to play Diamond and Pearl we'd stop by Walmart and pick up those uh, three pack blisters and then we'd see who get the best stuff and I remember uh you know, like I said, I remember some of the E-Series cards being out there and Secret Wonders. But I remember being pretty much back into it pretty heavily when Legends Awakened came out. And right after that was Stormfront. So that's when I was pretty much peak. And that released in August uh, August 1st, 2008, it looks like. So I would say 2008 was like when I was like peak back into the hobby. So... Which, you know, I was a junior in high school. That was, Pokemon was not on my mind. I was more into photography still during that time period. And a part of me really wishes I would have, I would have followed your route a little bit, but it is what it is. Yeah. Basically, like, yeah, I just got into the games real heavily and I was kind of doing that, just casually buying the cards and casually playing the games till Pokemon Go came out. And then, you know, we talked about Pokemon Go, how we linked up and got into that. But, uh, yeah, just that summer Pokemon Go was something special. I had a lot of friends who played. We'd all pack up in the car and go to neighboring towns that had a few more Pokestops and just play for hours in the night. I remember seeing a, a 733CP Scyther and just freaking out like, 733, 733. <laughs> You know, in those early levels, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was just it was just a crazy time. And then fast forward to the hype of 2020, just kind of stayed true to the course. I just kind of been in cruise control, doing the same stuff, casually buying here and there, working on collection goals. But like I said, I'll elaborate on all that down the road. That's pretty much a quick wrap up. Good, good episode so far. Just the introductions simple yeah. but i think necessary to begin for our our goals within this uh podcast for sure 
So just, uh, I guess we can go on to Q and A's just real quick. These are kind of going to be rapid fire and maybe we'll like, you know, elaborate them for like a minute, but we can carry this over into the next episode. Um, but the first question we had was, you know, in your opinion, what are today's market trends? And I'll have you go ahead and answer that first real quick. Well, obviously, the one of the biggest trends that comes to that comes to mind is grading everything. Even like we're not quite in the junk slab era, but like if you want to draw a line, you have the junk slab era, and then just a little bit above. And I think that's where we're at, just a little bit above that junk slab era. Um, I think there's a lot of people that don't quite realize it's better to buy, look at eBay or maybe TCG player. I have my own opinions on stuff like that. We, we can talk about on another episode, but you can find a near mint card that probably has a good, especially for modern, has a good shot of being a nine or a 10. Um, and you could save significance, significant amount of money while doing that. Yeah, and I don't sure. quite, I don't quite, I think some people are starting to catch on to that, but by and large, the, the, a lot of the new folks that have entered have not for like older cards. Yes, it makes sense. It really does. But for newer cards, like I, I really question why people are still doing that. Yeah. Um, and that's a trend that we still see. And I don't know if that's going to change, honestly. I think overall, you know, loose cards in general are kind of going down because just the wait times for PSA is insane. Mm -hmm. And we are getting a lot of bulk submissions back, um, you know, across the board, just loose in general. Uh, modern Japanese key cards are doing, in my opinion, you know, they might not be selling as much as English key cards and high grades, but they're everything's pretty stable across the board. Mm -hmm. um, we did come down a lot over the last few months, but there's certain areas where they haven't came down as much. Like, you know, rare Japanese promos in particular mm -hmm. have kind of came down, but they've been really staying strong. Um, so, yeah, just the things that were really overhyped that were not that rare, like base set. Like people just don't know or understand really how much base set was printed, even back in the nineties. Yep. There was just so much like, and that is like an understatement there. They just have no idea how much product there was a base set, but that's what people want. It's the first set, even the first editions. I mean, they've came down quite a bit. But, you know, we'll we'll get back. I think we'll have some more healthy growth in the future, just maybe a little slower growth. But, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, as, as I mentioned earlier, the slow, the slow but gradual growth is, is more healthy. Um, and I do believe you will see, I, like, obviously the first edition – will hold strong will it will it keep on going up i i think it will long term um 
but it, like I know the the first edition PSA 10 Charizard, there's you know it's been some inconsistencies compared to the hype, and people are kind of like you know where does that mean we're at? And I, I don't really take too much thought into that. Like you get to that point again, it's just kind of like wait with the illustrator. Although it's obviously more people are more interested in the first edition Charizard, I would say, and the illustrator, but. It's still it's still the the same thing. Like you get to that price range, there's only so many people that can actually afford it, and if those individuals aren't interested in buying at that moment, your your available suitors decrease. Um, but I, I do think certain areas will continue to hold strong, um, and we can obviously touch this up on in hair episode. But certain areas. I believe folks shouldn't even touch, and that's pretty much ultra modern. Um, yeah. I think people should should wait when it comes to that, uh, and certain certain modern sets that were easily accessible. Yeah, during sure. the hype of the pandemic during 2020. And I think we'll go over that in the the next topic for next episode. But uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, just leave it there. We got a couple other questions, but. They'll probably be good for the next episode, depending on where we get with the topic. But uh, unless you had anything else to add, we can kind of run into the end and kind of wrap it up. Uh, not much, because we can like we kind of talked a little bit about Pokemon Go. Like sometimes when we get talk, we just go, we just keep on going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't quite realize how I was like, oh man, we are running well past our our uh, our time allotment. We gave ourselves. I know. Um, At the times I had like marked on the paper, like we were running yeah. back, but you know, that's kind of what this podcast will be, and hopefully that's what a lot of people want—just in-depth talk and it's kind of rambling sometimes. But you know, that's what I enjoy. I like in you know listening to in-depth about Pokemon, whatever it is. So, and I really want to hear from everyday collectors. That's cool to hear like these individuals that are able to afford these amazing cards. And I, I think it's great for folks to, sh- to show that off. And it's great for folks to discuss it because it is, it is a part of the community, but the, by and large, your majority of your, of the community, um, while they might be interested in, in those cards, they're not going to be committing to buy some like these P- certain PSA tens of, Wahatsi cards and yeah i i believe there's not there's not enough dialogue and community or in in, in content specifically aimed at those people uh especially when it comes to podcasts there, there's like a lot of videos you can watch but when it comes to podcasts yeah, and it's much. cool listening to like collectors like talk to collectors and like that's what mm-hmm. we're gonna do but yeah we're not just gonna be talking you know about whatever comes up comes up we want to at least have like a main topic focus this mm-hmm. one, kind of the random one, just because we're kind of introducing ourselves. But, yeah. Some of our questions that we had um, for next time that, you know, we can maybe put out there for us to think about. I, we had a question about uh, where I could grade or what are the most reliable grading services. What's the most respectable with the, you know, as far as price. I feel like, you know, being two years out of the 2020 hype, this is still an issue. So we'll definitely go into that. And uh, Japanese and English releases, a lot of people are starting to dabble in Japanese now. So Mm -hmm. people are wondering, you know, how the Japanese release relates to English. You know, how is that determined? When does that come out? Why does Japanese get stuff before us? 
So we'll kind of go over that as well. Yeah, I could. Uh, I, I would love to answer the hating question because I remember on social media that was always a common, especially in 2020 when people were asking, "Where where should I get these graded or what's a good place?" And like the truth is, there's really three big grading companies, and everything else you're basically potentially leaving money on the table. Um, and I know, and just because something slabbed uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sell. And each trading company has the pros and cons. Yeah, and that's almost like and, a market question too, because like mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff selling was based off the demand that there was just not enough PSA slabs. So now yeah. leading into a world where there might be too many PSA slabs versus raw cards, you know, that that kind of is another discussion on its own. Yeah, and I mean, their backlog is still approximately 5.5 million as of this week, and that doesn't even include what folks have sent to CGC when it comes to a modern, ultra-modern product especially. Uh, And even some of the the chase cards for, say, for example, Evolving Skies, the Altar, BMX, Umbreon, I do not think it's a time to buy that card. I think yeah. there's almost definite like a an, another print coming, and how many people are going to submit that to be graded? A lot of people probably have sent it to, I imagine, to CEGC and whatnot, but there's still a lot of people that have held off. And one card to, to I always I, I have brought this card up several times because I sold it and so I like I sold it about a year ago and I keep on keeping tabs because I'm really curious. But it was the Champions Path Rainbow card or Rainbow B Max Charizard. Yeah. Whenever I got it back, there was 2,200 PSA tens. I think now there's like 7,500. <laughs> um, crazy. I and it's that's Champions Path. We're talking about evolving skies. I know. I know the pull rates aren't quite the same. Um, I think the Altar, it's generally like what, like one in 800, one in 1,000 packs or something like that. I don't I don't think the VMAX, I'd have to see the data, but I don't believe the VMAX Charizard was that bad because it was a smaller set than Evolving Skies. Yeah. Uh, that was such a, a weird set. I want to hit that on uh, the next one also. Talking about 2020. Because Champion's Path was like a weird social experiment for Pokemon, given the past. The hype. People were just getting into it, and everybody was saying, you got to get Champion's Path, got to get Champion's Path, got to get Champion's Path. And they start opening it, and it's my Champion's Path. <laughs> yeah. I told it's, uh, so many Machamp. <laughs> I, first off, I love that art. I even put it into like a sleeve. The first couple I opened, I put it into a sleeve, and then I even put it into an actual card saver. And then I, I did not open that much. I only opened, I think it was two ETVs and two double, and I got lucky with the Charizard, and it was a PSA 10. And I obviously made money off that. Uh, yeah. But. Anyways, but back to what we were originally talking about. How many people are opening Evolving Skies? How many people are going to continue opening Evolving Skies? At least one more reprint. Might even be two, for all we know, because it's such a popular set. How many people how many are keeping those... sealed? And how, yeah, and how many people are going to be submitting, not just the Umbreon, but the Rayquaza, um, any, of the, any of the other alt arts that are in that set? Uh, 
and I think right now it's around 200 bucks. The the, the VMAX is, and I, I haven't been paying attention to, to what the the tens go for, but I'm just looking at it, and people don't quite realize how much of this has already been opened, how much more will be opened, how much more people are keeping things sealed, and I mean anything modern just is just if if you go if you want that card, buy that card. But if you're trying to get it for the best price possible, wait. And that and that aspect's been true even back, you know, before 2016. But the face of the hobby with all the sealed and all that stuff has, like, totally changed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll go into depth on that on the next episode. Um, but, yeah, I guess you good to wrap it up? Are you, good? Uh, yeah. you think we're good there? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I, well, um, are we going into the the game? Or are we going into the shout-outs? You'll, you'll have to. Uh, yeah, I'll kind of go out. into the shout-outs. So for the game, like I said, we do want to have like an episode where, well, pretty much every episode have like a game or gimmick. So if you guys have an idea out there, just throw it around, throw it to us on our socials. Um, I'm at NP Pokemon on Instagram. And Philip, you're at PBJ Collectibles, correct? Yes, I probably should change it to more Pokemon relevant uh, photo, but it is literally a stock image of a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It's my initials. <laughs> yeah, so reach out to us there if you guys have questions or game recommendations. Starting with the next one, we'll probably do a episode league game, whether that's guessing a Pokemon or talking about you know this or that or take it or leave it style. Um, so yeah, excited to get into that. But yeah, just wrapping up, we just uh, wanted to check out our next topic. It is going to be kind of a review of 2020, Um, reviewing the hype, what's changed, what we learned. You know, we just kind of touched on it a little bit there. So we'll definitely be talking about that in depth on the next one. Hopefully our time management will be a little more organized where we can focus on the main topic. We're kind of uh, doing this on the fly, you know. Yeah. We, we kind of we kind of have a structure, but we both kind of like the on the fly style. I think it leads to a lot of uh, yeah. sincerity. And I know, like that's of, why I like listening to you too. It's just you know the different topics that pop up or spin off. Yeah. But yeah, I know I had a lot that I learned. Um, I want to take a look at if people are staying in the hobby and pretty much everything. Twenty twenty and what we learned and where the hobby is heading kind of like a kind of relating back to that question. That's why I wanted to get that question in on this episode. What are today's trends? We'll definitely be doing a deep dive on that in the next episode. So, but yeah, some of the shout outs uh, for the questions. We got Todd, Chris and Sean, some IRL friends for the shout outs. Um, I personally want to shout out, uh, Jim Mint, Pokemon, and TCA Gaming, and uh, Laughing Pikachu and the Cat's Meowth. Those four, you know, a lot of people know of TCA and Jim Mint. Um, the other two are kind of some OG content creators that you may or may not know, but those were the people I was watching in 2008 opening those Diamond and Pearl backs. <laughs> so that's kind of my inspiration to even make content and, uh, I was making Pokemon videos back then, which I didn't really elaborate on, but um, it was a different world for sure. <laughs> I, I guess I can touch on that in the next episode too. Yeah, and I have uh, I have a few shout-outs as well. 
um, since I kind of came into it a little bit later. Some people that have inspired me are a, a little bit different, although we, we have listened to a lot of the same people. Um, but the main people I really want to shout out is Pokey Radar and Squeaks. Those two had a podcast that was absolutely fantastic. I loved listening to it. I, that was a podcast I was referring to that I listened to every time it came up. Great commu- communication, great dialogue. I learned quite a bit about the hobby and the different ranges of the hobby and just a lot of different collectors and gave you a lot of different perspectives. And I, I, I just thought it was fantastic. And then there's uh, TCA Gaming as well. Very humble. He doesn't need to do anything flashy. He just been in the hobby for a long time, and he, he does his stuff. I think he even had a yeah. quote on one of his latest videos. I might, <laughs> you might find me dry or boring, and that's because I am, or something like that. <laughs> but it, it was hilarious. Uh, other areas, um, Danny Phantom. I think he does great stuff for his for modern game uh, for folks interested with in that in that area within the 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 card industry i he actually i first heard him on the pokey radar uh podcast and that is what had me first interested in following him at first i I was like, yeah he just seems like every guy opening packs but like a lot of his stuff recently in the last few months have been really really great he's really informative he really truly cares and i think he's just great for the hobby in general all these guys do great work within the community and i love continuing watching with their stuff and they continue to inspire us and keep us going. So, yeah, that pretty much does it, guys. Um, this is kind of what to expect. You know, we kind of got a structure, but, I mean, we really want to kind of elaborate on whatever topic we go. And, of course, we're going to get into these deep conversations. But if you guys liked this, be sure to let us know. Hopefully, you'll be finding us on Spotify and a video version will be uploaded on YouTube um, we'll have all the links down below. Um, we do, we did actually set up a YouTube channel just for this. If you don't want to sift through other content, um, it's not going to be like a video podcast. It's just going to be the audio with like logos and maybe I'll pop in pictures relative to the topic we're talking about. But, uh, yeah. So you can follow along as you listen, if you so choose. It's yeah. Not- <laughs> but we're still staying true to the, you know, on topic pokey talk podcast that's exactly what it is talk about pokemon anyway that's pretty good for our first episode we kind of ran a little long but hey that's good it. we it's a, it's a true podcast and when it when it, you can hit almost two hours that's woo we finally made it <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, i uh th- this has been great i can't wait to do more all right me neither and thanks for listening guys we'll see you in the Until next, next one. time yep peace